Hello and welcome to the Redraft Podcast with me, Romina Ramos. I am the author of Sardines, a short collection of poems dealing with things like dislocation, belonging and identity. That's out now with Bentke Publishing. I co-run a monthly open mic night with my pal Stuart Beveridge and I am one half of Printer Poet where we create all sorts of arty things. I'm here chatting with my pal Will Stevenson. Will, do you want to introduce yourself to the people? Hiya people, hiya Romina. Um, I'm Will, I'm the author of We are now approaching a poetry collection, uh, also out of Benke Publishing. I am one half of Switchblade Society, uh, a regular monthly spoken word night in Manchester City Centre. And uh, I've got some music out on Spotify and the like as well. I'm excited to be chatting on this podcast, most of all with you, to uh, a bunch of all-round creatives. We've got some really, really talented people coming up on the podcast. Um do you want to let people know what 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 kind of questions we're going to be asking? Why why are they listening to this? Why should they listen to this? Yes, so we'll be interviewing creatives from across all genres and mediums, from poets to scriptwriters, comedians, editors, publishers, and really get down to the nitty gritty of the writing process. And of course, we'll be asking that very important question: if you could go back and redraft one area of your writing career, what would that be? I'm really excited to hear people's answers. It's, it's a um, big, big question. It's a very big question, isn't it? We've got uh, we've got some brilliant guests already confirmed and lined up, and our first one, ah, he's 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 absolutely excellent. Um, we've got a corker of an interview for you today. Uh, this was the first one that we recorded. It's come out in the right order, so that's that's something exciting. Um, how much fun was, was Brogan? Uh, Brogan is fantastic. He's such a genuine guy, really, really funny and an absolute pleasure to have on the podcast. Absolute. Super engaging. So with that, we'll, uh, we'll shut up, we'll get out of your way and we'll leave you to listen to comedian, poet, stand-up, broadcaster, Brogan Tyson Carlin. We have with us an esteemed guest. We've got a comedian, stand-up, poet, actor, Cheeky Chappie. Brogan, Tyson, Paul, something, something, Carlin. Terebio, that's pretty good. Terebio! Terebio, Paul, Terebio. Tyson, Carlin. You, we're really close. You're right. really close. You got better than most would. Thank you. Paul is the one that stands out, isn't it? Yeah, Paul is the one that stands out. Paul is my uh, dad's best friend's name from Salford from growing up, and we share the same birthday, um, which is nice. So my dad <laughs> my dad rang up his best mate of like 40, like 40 years and was like, oh, my son's just been born on your birthday. I'm going to name him after you. And he went, what are you going to call him, Paul? He's like, no, no, he's called Bracorn. Um, so he went, what's his, what's his Bracorn, Paul? And he went, no, no, he's Bracorn Terebio. And then it's cool. He's like, I'm third in the list on his small share of birthday. It, it helps with the Google results, though. It does. I'm the only, I'm the yeah. only one. There's not many. <laughs> There's not many Bracorn Terebio Pauls that can't. Yeah, can't. Yeah, so imagine if someone could say it. That would be good, including me. I don't even know if I pronounce it right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I really, I really ran into that, and I really immediately messed I'm it up. I'm proud of you. See, I call you Brogan. Yeah, Brogan's right. <laughs> right, but corn is wrong. Yeah, so <laughs> I think my mum wanted to call me Brogan. There's a lot of negotiation around my name. Um, my mum wanted to call me Brogan, but then my dad. <laughs> I was born on Brogan's birthday. <laughs> For the House of Commons. And the <laughs> um, yeah, my mum wanted to call me Brogan, but then I think my dad wanted to call me. An Irish name, so they were like, "Well, we're calling the, the Irish equivalent of Brogan, which is Brogan, but we'll pronounce it Brogan just to make it really fucking confusing." Lovely. So I'm doing. I'm the anglicised horrible one. Good. Yeah, Good and on St. Patrick's Day as well. I Go know. Fuck yourself. 
I'll be saying Patrick's doing that then. I'll be saying Patrick. Can we swear on this podcast? Is it yeah, all right? Is it an adult? That's cool. That's good. What are you drinking? I'm drinking um, a Criantha. It's a red wine. It is from Sainsbury's, but it's very good. It's like it's like it's like six pounds. Because if you say I'm, I'm drinking Criantha, you sound like a prick. But it's just like it's like a six pound bottle of Sainsbury's Criantha. But it is good. It's not top shelf. It's not bottom shelf. It's just right there. <laughs> no, it's, yeah, it's sort of you can trick yourself into thinking that you're drinking something cool. Um, yeah, what are you drinking? <laughs> That's cool. I've only ever had one book, so I should really move on to the sequel. That's yeah. pretty good. Wow. Might be onto my side. <laughs> it, 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 it had a clicky lid. Which a is clicky big. lid. That's insane. Yeah. That's really cool. Didn't need a, didn't need a bottle. Is this going to set a precedent? Do you have well, to drink in this podcast from now and this is the first I'm one? I'm drinking Fanta so and I'm, so that answers that. <laughs> You're drinking, though. You, <laughs> I'm, dri- you, I'm driving, yeah. <laughs> you need a liquid. That's yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. You, you need a liquid is the strap line for this. Brogan. <laughs> <laughs> You are a very talented comedian, if I do say so. That's very kind. And I set Romina some homework, because Romina doesn't know you very well. Um, and last night you watched Turtle for the first time, Brogan's most recent show. I did. What did you make of it? I thought it was fantastic. I really did. I thought it was hilarious. Uh, I thought it was really clever how you deal with like politics and like classism and stuff, but always with the under- underlying tone of comedy, you know, like it's... It's clever and it's funny and it's yeah, I really enjoyed it. I'm gonna watch it again. Oh, that's very kind of rewatch. That's that's unprecedented. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> Have you any more plans to put it on? No, it was it was filmed because it was dead. So like it's a lot of stuff that was kind of written right. twenty twenty one, just out of lockdown and things. Um and then uh, some of it is even pre COVID. So the the Karl Marx routine is like from 2019, the Marks and the Spine Skills thing. But fortunately, and same with the Meghan Markle thing, but the UK news cycle is so tedious that I've been able to use the same material and slightly adapt the wording for four years, and it's worked as well. Uh, so that, that's that's um, that's been a relief. Uh, but yeah, but it needed to. It needed to. It needed to die, uh, which is which is nice. All things must die. Is <laughs> the takeaway? Yeah, <laughs> all things must die. No, but yeah, it, it it toured around for a while. So like, I kind of accidentally toured it because I was trying to do work in progress shows of it. But I ended up doing work in progress shows of it in like twelve cities. So I was like, oh, that's we've just toured the show now. Um, so that was that was just done at that point. And then I did Edinburgh, and then decided to film it and put it to bed because I was quite happy with it it felt like it had run its time I didn't want to be doing the same material for so long obviously there was like a two year gap where it was just Covid where it wasn't really being performed but um, yeah I'm, I'm, I'm happy with it I'm happy to see it go <laughs> I can only talk about vanilla ice so much in my life without it becoming too tedious for me <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Robin Van something, right? Van Winkle, yeah. Van that's Winkle, it. that's it. <laughs> Man, it you, I want to get onto the surrealism um, later on in your writing because it's taken me for a loop many times. Um, can we go back back to the northeast, back to Hartlepool? Um, yeah, we can. What's, what, what year did you finish high school? So year eleven. Like, I finished my GCSEs in 2012, finished A-levels in mm. 2014. Um, so, yeah, around that time. What did you make of poetry when you were in school? So, 
when I was like a little kid, I was a little nerd, and I used to write like volumes of poetry just for fun, like a little kid. And I, in year three, I wrote a book of poems and gave them to my year three teacher. Amazing. And then when I got into secondary school, I kind of stopped <laughs> writing all these <laughs> kind of uh, comedy poems, which I used to write when I was a kid, because I don't know, I just uh, trying to be trying to be a little bit cooler. Remember, I did I did a school play when I was like in sixth form mm. and my year three teacher ran up to me she came to watch the school play and she was like I've still got your book of poems from year three and I was like oh shit I forgot I'd even like written that and she was like oh I still read them sometimes she's like they're great and I was like oh shit like maybe I should get into that again someday so when I was like 18 17 18 I started writing a few again and then yeah I, I like studying poetry um at A level and GCSE but I didn't I didn't really write it um ever you do literature at uh, A level. I did it at university as well. I was going to ask you about about uni because you've you so you've stayed in in the northeast through and through. I did throughout. Yeah. So we moved from Durham. Oh, sorry, from Hartlepool. Yeah. Did you, did you enjoy the school? Yeah, it was all right. Um, it was weird because it was like it was ostensibly like <laughs> the nice school in Hartlepool, but. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> it's not really it's not really a thing, uh, but like it was it was it was like the only Catholic school, so it was like a fairly like it was it was weird. It was like because it was from like mm. all areas of Hartlepool. So you had kind of kids who were a bit, bit more well to do, and maybe from like Hart Village and things, and kids like who were a bit more like a bit more like proper Hartlepoolian lads um, and stuff. So it was like it was a weird mix of people in that school um it was good it was some bastards <laughs> but there was some there's some really nice people yeah there's but as in like there was it was a weird mix like for, i had a weird kind of mix of good and bad throughout school when i got to sixth form i, I enjoyed it because more people came in from kind of like surrounding schools and stuff into the sixth form i enjoyed i enjoyed college kind of made like lots of good friends i always had like good friends throughout school i was never like alone I went through like my little emo phase I had like my little emo mates when I was in year 8 and stuff like that and then as I got older kind of had different friendship groups but yeah, yeah I, enjoy, I enjoyed school man it was we got through it, it. Right. <laughs> <laughs> this is the best one it was it was it was fine it was like wasn't it? yeah but I was the only like I was the only boy in that entire school doing like the school musical which in, in like Hartlepool doesn't go it doesn't go great for you sometimes but for the most part it was it was fun and then you so it it worked out to the extent where you went into Durham you did literature did you go immediately and get into the review and to the art scene there no so first year I did um, I did one play in my first year it was a student written thing and I don't want to diss this play from nine years ago (laughs) that it sounds like you're about it to. It wasn't great. I would say <laughs> that the performance I gave in that was objectively bad and offensive. I'm not going to get into the ways in which it was, but the script lent itself into a way in which um, I don't, I wouldn't look back fondly on. But thankfully, that is dead now. Um, but essentially, I didn't have a great time with this like one play I did in first year, so I just left it and then didn't do anything and just kind of just like settled into university. Then in second year, I decided to try and. Um, get back into theatre and started doing I did musical theatre quite a lot in second year and started getting into plays um, and then in third year I got into the review 
uh, because of friends. I hadn't even heard the review when I was in first year. I didn't really go to like do theatre. I didn't really look into it. I just kind of like stumbled into a play in first year, then didn't love it, then didn't do it again. And then I made friends from like college who had like really got into it. Then they recommended me to get into it. And then friends I met in like those projects were like, oh, you should go do the like the Durham review because you might be all right in it. And then it was all right. It was good fun. <laughs> they, they, were, they were nice folk. So when does that start to circle back round into comedy? Because when I think of reviews, I think of like Footlights and, and all of the amazing people that have come out of things like that. And you look at that and you go, well, it feels like the only way. Do you know what I mean? Is, is that what sparked the comedy? Yeah. Anymore? So like I was doing like comedy plays and stuff and then like, I hadn't really written before. They were just like, oh, like half of it's comedy acting. They're like, if, like you'd be probably good at that side. Like, give a go at writing things. The Durham Review is like mm. weirdly very good, as in like just hist- like historically, like not not like just not just me, like not like the year that I was in, but as in just historically, like it, it's quite like a good comedy troupe. Like has been for a while. So like we did yeah, yeah, shows yeah. with like the Footlights and the Oxford Review and like the Leeds Tea Lights and the Bristol Reviews and things, and like it was quite nice to meet all those people and like friends from the review are like friends I still like hang out with now and work with like Tristan but we might get onto it but as in like Tristan who I work with now in Rompers we met in the review and that's how we started writing together and yeah did I feel like those university societies like the Footlights and the Durham Review they just kind of cultivate like a culture of like you have to write an hour-long Edinburgh show even if you haven't written one ever you're going to have to do that in six months. And it's like, it's so insane. Like it's such an intense process, but like, you just have to do it. We had to turn up like every Sunday to these rehearsals, having written five sketches a week. And you had to just, just shit out, (laughs) shit out comedy and content. And I'd never written anything before that. So like, obviously like with the hit rate, like if you're producing like, 20 things like a month for like three months a few of them are going to be all right so you start like building confidence and figuring out what works and things and um yeah it's it's good so then we did edinburgh that year like we did like a full run and like it wasn't like anything i'd ever done before and it was it was mad like within a few months of being in that like within two months of joining the review we did a show at the Durham Gala Theatre, which is like a 500-seat like seat theatre. And that was like doing like my own writing there. And I was like, oh my God, I was like, this is mad. And then we went to the Cambridge Arts Theatre and the Oxford Playhouse and like we toured around there doing like all our own writing. And then, yeah, I think it was a good way to come through because you, you kind of just, you have to be confident in what you're doing. Do you know what I mean? Like you have to have like a certain confidence in your writing and in, in performance and stuff. It kind of just like demands it. So you can't really be shy. <laughs> He's gonna have to just shit stuff out that and just give it a guess. Is insane. I wonder because I've never gone to to school to uni for writing outside of journalism. You have. Does that? How does that compare with the creative writing, the poetry side of things at Bolton? Um, <clears throat> I mean, I, it's slightly different because obviously I was doing um, I was doing more like short fiction or poetry, but. Yeah, we get opportunities like the, the uni puts on a showcase of new writing, student writing every year. So, you know, that for, for the th- my three years there, I had a piece of writing chosen every year for, to be performed by um, professional actors and stuff like that. And it's 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 an incredible opportunity and it's you learn a lot from it because up until that point, I was on writing on the page. I'd never seen my writing like alive, you know, like and when you see it and especially by people who know what they're doing, like actors who are professional who do this for a living and i never forget the first time it was a really short uh, short story that i written and completely fictional nice. but 
you know, about a girl, about a teenage girl that loses a best friend to like a drug overdose and watching an actress, like a professional actress bring that to life. I was just like, I can't believe I wrote that. What? It was like, but, but you know, she, she did half of the work. I, I did the words, but yeah, she brought it to life. But yeah, it's, it's an incredible opportunity and it's, it's an incredible way to learn the craft yeah. and the industry as well in it firsthand while you're still learning at uni you're still learning the craft as well so it's yeah it's it's incredible definitely i think i think you've hit the nail on the head so like i remember like because i'd never written anything for stage or anything i remember the the like so the, for the review you had to like write sketches that's how you auditioned was like you did an acting like comedy acting audition then the next round was you had to write two sketches and then you were given a group and you had to act each other's out and i remember like it sounds bad, but as in like, because I found what I I think, I think it's so important to find your own shit funny. So when I was writing it, I thought it was funny, and then like watching like they're all really good acting actors in my group, and like I was just pissing myself like watching these people like read the things because they were so good and they were doing their own little things with it. Like in my audition, I was really hungover as well. <laughs> I was really hungover, so I just, kind of was just like. <laughs> bit like delirious but like they'd say a line in a way that like i'd never even thought i'd ever hear it hurt, like said i was just there and like in this audition room just like pissing myself at like my own jokes and i was like oh this is loads of fun i was like this is there's something in this like it felt it felt right to be watching it but like, like you're saying like it, that kind of those environments and those kind of university environments where you can kind of like collaborate or like people can work with you on things and you're not just kind of like in your own head like just writing for the like for page i think it i think it helps it's it's interesting to watch that come to life. I think it's spot on. Do you think your process is different when you're writing for other people? I'm thinking of what you're doing now for like radio tees as well, uh, and and is it informed by that? Do you do you write in a different voice for somebody else? In terms of like if it's for a specific audience, in terms of if it's for you to deliver on stage as part of a show or or a or a um a, a poetry physical yeah, I think like. So like when I first started writing poetry, for example, this is slightly, slightly different, but I think it's relevant. So like when I first started writing poetry, like the people won't know this, but the pigeon one and stuff and like the million books thing that I used to do, they were like all written just for page, just for fun. So like they're really written quite freely and a bit bizarre because I had never intended to perform. I just wrote them because I was going like slightly bonkers, like when I first moved to Manchester so I just write all this like insane poetry just to kind of bide my time um but then they work for performance in a way which is like bizarre and kind of ended up kind of reverse engineering like an on-stage persona for that so like but now when I write things specifically for performance none of it is like free or as weird as that stuff because I'm like will it land whereas like I didn't have this like kind of pre-concern about will something land when I was just writing it for my own interest but then that that's even more exacerbated when it's writing for a specific audience so like when we were doing the Radio Tees thing the Radio Tees comedy hour with like my friends and I that was all like the extra review people as well that we were doing that with um that was specifically written for like a BBC radio audience that was like quite restrained but it's like we were trying to make it as weird as possible about as like as much as like my personality on like uh, what as much as it could be without 
without upsetting like the editor of this <laughs> BBC Radio Two's program or, or the audiences therein. Um, but yeah, I think I think it does. I don't know. Like I, I've I've written for like I wrote something for like Hartlepool Borough Council, <laughs> which sounds like a parallel. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Road safety. But that was like, <laughs> but I got commissioned. <laughs> I got, well, it, it was about, it was about um, a, an old building. There's an old, there's a, it's called, oh my God, what's it called? The Wesley, it's called the Wesley building right in central Hartlepool. It was an, a Methodist church in the 19th century. And then it, was dilapidated for 30 years and then in the 90s some businessman bought it and turned it into a nightclub um so and then it got burnt down so we just torched it but it's like it's really like magnificent like all the <laughs> building in like Hartlepool town center should be like left to rot and it's like been set on fire like four times um, and they're gonna go try and generate into some like offices and flats now because that's bullshit and that's what they're gonna do isn't it but like i wrote a poem about that building and it was so different to anything like I'd ever really written before like I guess like my cadence and like what I get drawn to like in terms of like rhythm and structure was there but in terms of the content it was it was quite wholesome it was more like the history of this building there's like some comedy in it but it was like I was like right they're gonna post this on like the Hartlepool Borough Council Facebook pages video <laughs> pigeon <weekend>. shit pigeon <laughs> shit do you know what I genuinely because the building is covered in pigeon shit I did because I because I like because I was actually directed like the video as well I was there was a pigeon and there was loads of shit on the floor and I was like can you get can you get like a pandan? I'll send you the video. You'll see there's all this. There's literally a close up of a wall. It's just covered in bird shit. And as a as an editorial choice, I got it. In. I did. Do you know what? I didn't realise how on brand that was until just well, now. well done, well done for restraining yourself. Well done. When you put out Tiny Badger, which we'll get onto properly, mm-hmm. did that feel? like creating a final version of something which feels very different from from doing it on stage where it's always adapting you can change it to the audience that's a good question so tiny badger came out of like necessity mm. more than anything because i i, I kind of set myself a challenge like when i started doing things to to have a major achievement of some capacity or at least like a landmark thing <laughs> every year like to do something I was proud of like every year so like I wrote the show I wrote Don't Bother in 2018 like within like six months of my first day for Mike which was stupid and then the next year I took it to Edinburgh and then 2020 I was gonna like do another show in Edinburgh and then we'll we all know what we all know that didn't happen um so I was like, I needed, it got to like September. I was getting well at your feet and I was like, I'm just so fucking like bored of like not having done something. And I was like, oh, I wish I could do something with these poems apart from like a show. And I was like, oh, books exist. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, I'll do a book of it. Um, I realised that, 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 that I remember that books exist. Um, that poems <laughs> could be like read, not heard. <laughs> Which is, yeah, it, it's, uh, but, but then, so yeah, so I was like, <laughs> I, th- I think you're right in terms of like, but then again, like in terms of the drafts of them. So usually like within a few times of doing something, I don't redraft often. I'll maybe re- I redraft stand up a lot, but in terms of poems, like I kind of free write and then look at it. And then if something sounds mm. shit or the meter's a bit off or whatever, I'll like have a fiddle. But like it tends to be that 
Like it tends to be the first, <laughs> close to a first draft that like I put down. So actually the things that were like purpose written for the book have, were tampered with much more than the stuff that was like written two years prior, if that makes sense. Um, but yeah, there, there is something nice about there being a finality there. It's like, this is the version of that poem that now kind of exists in perpetuity and people can kind of revisit that. I do like that the Thatcher poem's in print. I like that, that the Thatcher limerick is um, there as, as a reference point for people. Um, but yeah, the, the, the book was... It's, it's a different process. You've written a book. What did you think about? No, yeah, no, I agree with you. I think that's... It's partially why I asked, because I'm struggling to get back into writing stuff that's for a stage rather than I feel like I've locked into wanting to, to, to have a, a final copy of stuff. Um, and the process is really, really different, isn't it? Like, like you say, with the purpose, purpose built stuff that's, that's designed for the page, I feel like I'm going through the motions of, of, of writing page poetry now, which I'm, I'm developing and I feel like I'm getting better and better at, but I feel like I'm losing. And partially it's just stage time. <laughs> I guess, because I've been so focused on writing this for a long time. Yeah. But also, I don't know if you feel that, but for me, when I've put sardines out, it took me a while to just get back into writing anyway. Mm. You might mm. think you're struggling to write for performing, but are you writing for the page at the moment as well? Like, are you actually mm. writing for the page or are you just struggling to get back into that thing? Because I struggled. I spoke to a few other people like Emily Cook. She's struggling to write now because she's put a book out and it's. Mm. I feel like there's there's something there. But I don't know. How do you feel about that? Yeah, no, to be fair, I, I think you're right. Um, I've been drafting stuff, but I haven't written anything that I think that is good enough to to move on from and to say that's ready to go. But equally, I want to, I suppose the same with Total, I want to retire that now. Mm-hmm. Like the old stuff, like Market Street and Rich List and things like this. I, I want to draw a line with them and say, we're in the next phase. But a lot of the book stuff doesn't necessarily work for the because it's different mediums. Is that in terms of performance that you want to kind of retire those certain poems? Yeah, like in terms of facets. Yeah, exactly. Like they exist. They're in a chat book um, that had thirty copies, and and that's out there, and that Mm -hmm. doesn't it doesn't need to go any further. I feel like it could become a crutch after a while to always be leaning on. Okay, I've got this in the bag. If it's not not one hundred percent, yeah, exactly. I want new hitters. <laughs> That's yeah. I, I've I've got I've got lazy with it recently. So like, it's weird, isn't it? Because it's like, is it a means to an end? So like, like you're saying, like you've got the process of like you've written a poem, it's been performed for a while, you've tweaked it, you've got it to the point where like it's you think it's publication ready and you want it to exist in that form, and it's like, is that the life cycle that ended now, or or do you want to? Can it live? Like, are you performing it? because you've got nothing else or you're performing it because it, it's true to like your voice and that like you want to be performing that because you want to be performing it and like I don't think there's anything there's nothing wrong with that maybe I'm making excuses for myself because I haven't written anything in fucking ages but as in but as in I, I find myself like I've written loads like there's loads like there's loads of stuff I've written that I don't want to be on page or stage as in I just write it like a lot of the time writing is a means to an end mm. it's like I'm writing this to, to entertain someone sometimes I just write things for myself and sometimes I'll write things because I'm like I think this is a nice piece of writing that can maybe exist in text somewhere but like yeah I don't know um, but then again I think it, it, 
for me personally, if I, if I was writing less for a means to an end, I would have written more recently. I think if I was if I was to set myself a challenge of writing like a new half an hour set, that's when I'd probably start kicking in with writing new new content, new content and trying to get some new hitters. I think you've got the right approach there, Will. To be fair, I took myself around to it. <laughs> you, yeah, but you say that, but but your approach has worked very very well twice with two different shows writing for a specific time frame and then coming out of it and being given opportunities off the back of it because people have not seen it as a rush job. Do you know what I mean? It doesn't come across like you've, you've had to put a deadline on this for yourself. So, and maybe that's just a different approach that works for you. Well, it, you know, it clearly does work for you because like I say, it's the accolades that have come off the back of that have been really impressive. Was there something at any point where you went, oh fuck, I can do this properly? <laughs> What in ter- in terms of poetry and things? Or- well, in terms of performance, I suppose being a career and making you go maybe a review from someone or a moment of a sold out show or something that was like a big right. I need to fire on this. I did that first open mic in December 2017 in Bury, but off the back of that, they said, "Have you got 20 minutes?" And I didn't. I had one poem. So like Jeff and Kerry said do you want to like headline the next one in January? They're like, we haven't got anyone. And I was like, yeah, well, I'll do that. So I just like, I wrote like a 20 minute set for then. And then that went all right. And then like within, so this is what I'm getting at. So within six months, so like by the April, I got a message from this person who ran the student fringe festival in Nottingham. And they were like, have you got an hour? And I went, fuck it. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah I've got an hour I'll do that so I just pulled an hour out of my arse and just wrote like anything that I found funny and that first time that I did that I was like this is this is good it felt feasible as a thing I think the first one where I was like this is mint uh, did you know Leaf on Portland Street the tea cafe yeah yeah, they have a a function room underneath there and I did a I did a show there of Don't Bother, like, it's probably like a year to the day of, like, my first ever open mic. And it's maybe the biggest show I've ever done, like, to this date. So, like, we'd sold, like, 30 tickets in advance. And I was like, that's mint. Like, fucking, like, 90 people rocked up on the door. And it was, like, standing room only, like, 110, 120 people in this room. And I was like, what the fuck? Like, it was just weird, like, that I'd kind of just only been doing, like, open mics for, like, a year. And that's when I was like, this is... To clarify, nothing like that has, ever <laughs> has happened since. <laughs> but, like, but in terms of a moment where I was like, oh, shit, like I, I'm, I must be all right at this, like, as in mm. this seems to be decent. And it, like, went down really, really well, apart from uh, someone came up to me. Did you, did you see Don't Bother Will? I've seen bits and pieces of it, but I've not seen the whole thing, no. So I used to do, like, a routine about um, remakes of films and stuff, and, like to like satirize like meninists and people mad at like female like female reboots of films i did a line where i was like i love remakes even i like the yeah, reboot yeah, of ghostbusters yeah, yeah. even though there were women in it and obviously that's a joke i don't think obviously like i think the opposite and i was like i was and i was like no i don't care that there was women it was good anyway and it was like it was that and then like it was, that, it was clearly taking the piss out of that mindset it's a good gag <laughs> this person came up to me after the show and they were like um they were like 
yeah, I liked it to a point. And I was like, what? I was like, oh, like, what didn't you like? They're like, when you said that, like, you liked it in spite of women, I just thought that was like, I thought that was like, that was like really like, I thought that was really horrible. And I was like, well, I was, it was a joke. I was like, I actually think <laughs> the exact opposite of that. I was like, the reason I said that is because that's such an absurd thing to say. And I was like, no one was laughing with me. I was like, they were laughing at that idea. And they just went, I didn't listen for the rest of it. I was like, no, you didn't listen for the next 40 minutes of the show. I was like, you should have just left. <laughs> I mean, it's, that's not true, is it? <laughs> if they were in the room, they obviously heard it. <laughs> but, um, yeah. but they were furious for the rest of the... You could see they were furious for the rest of the show. And I was like, it's clearly a joke. Do you know what I mean? I was like... I, was like, I also had... Um, I used to do that Happy as... I should bring back Happy as Larry, the dog poem. I, I did... Clary, I did a poem which was like, describing loads of ways of killing dogs. Um, uh, it was so, It's nice. It was funny. Uh, it's good stuff. But I did a show at Brighton Fringe. And like midway through it, this woman walks out. She went, I have a dog. I was like, I was like I'm not going to kill it. So it's a joke, isn't it? She's never been black to Brighton's. Oh, it was really, I was like, how don't you understand? I was like, there's a reveal at the end of this that in retrospect makes it uh, funny. But yeah, yeah. But, but yeah. how about you? What's, what's, have you guys had any moments where you felt vindicated in your decisions to, as, as you should in all times may clarify because you're very, very good. But as, um, Two things have come to mind, which is one of them where you were at and you were a vital part of it, which is when we did the Switchblade birthday last year. Um, that was mint. I was quite drink at that. I'm very was, sorry. No, you were good. You were, uh, in spite of that, you were good. <laughs> <laughs> I'd accidentally had one too many pints. Uh, it was good for it was, it, And it was packed and it was, everybody was so supportive and absolutely everyone who's headlined came back to do it. And it showed that I think what we're doing there is building a community, building like-minded people. There's no ego yeah. which can exist. And yeah, it just felt really beautiful. Name names. Logan Tyson Carlin. What's the second thing? The book launch, um, which was just gorgeous. Yeah, the, the, the support and the, the generosity of the crowd, I think was really nice. Yeah, your book launch was a beautiful night, 100%. Uh, yeah, I'm still thinking about that, actually. But uh, yeah, mine is mine has to be the book launch as well. Mm. And it's, well, the first one would be, would be um, getting shortlisted for the Murky Books mm. Prize, which <laughs> I just could not believe it. Like, you know, getting longlisted was a shock and then getting the shortlist email was just unbelievable. But I'm still a student at this time. I've not been writing very long. Mm. So, you know, it's hard to get that acknowledgement is just incredible and then the book launch is just like i've been writing working on these poems for such a long time at this point and then to see it all there with a beautiful cover it's just it's incredible i still yeah yeah it's still a bit surreal <laughs> question for both of you but do you think like the murky prize and things like winning slams and getting the reviews at edinburgh how helpful has that been I think if I'd have won, if I'd have been shortlisted now at this point where I'm at now, I probably would have got maybe more opportunities uh, because I was, like I said, I was still at uni then. I was very unknown. I hadn't done any open mic, so I I didn't know anybody in the Manchester scene at the time or anything like that. So it was it was nice to get recognition. I was in the Bolton News, you yeah. know. <laughs> but um, yeah, I feel like I was very unknown at the time. I hadn't. I had. A handful of poems to my name so I, I didn't it was amazing and it's I you got direct I got some recognition online by different like poet non-poets in the UK and stuff but 
yeah, no, didn't open like many doors. But I think if it had been still, now, it, it probably still can though because it's still it's still attached to your name though. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I've always got that. You know, like yeah, definitely. So it, it's it's just nice to have like I think it's the first thing on my like creative writing CV. Mm, it's mm, that mm, and if mm-hmm. that's your first thing you, I mean it's you're not doing too bad are you like you know what I mean yeah it's a good starting point definitely well, I don't know I think it's almost like intangible you can't really measure it as in because I haven't mm. had like someone come up oh do you want to come do XYZ off the back of this or winning this I guess like after the Saboteur Award I got like some festivals and stuff like literary festivals but they'd missed booked me <laughs> a lot of them <laughs> <laughs> they woefully misunderstood what I was doing. What was the worst misbook I can picture this? <laughs> I did. Um, can I say the fest? Can I say the festival? Because it wasn't their fault. It was like, it, oh no. So I, I did Leeds Literature Festival, right? And they're great. Oh, they do loads of really cool stuff. For clarity, they're fantastic. And um, <laughs> I, t- I turned up, and they, they booked me. I was doing Don't Bother, like in twenty. 2020, I think this was. That's one of the last ever ones. That I like, yeah, because it's after Fringe, mm. and they booked me as part of the Inspiring the City program. And I was like, this feels wrong. I was like, I feel I'm in the wrong thing here. Um, so I turned up, and it was like this pub. I turned up like an hour and a half before like the show's about to start. And it's just, they're like, yeah, it's upstairs. It's just like a function room, like no, no, like stage light, like, nothing, like just like the room of a pub where like a nice poetry reading's about to happen. And I was like, and no one was there because they did, obviously, they'd been in miscommunication about what was needed. I think I talked to someone about like tech or whatever and like, but it was like, yeah, there'll be lighting and there'll be sound. But what they meant was there would be lights on in the room. (laughs) (laughs) They were like, yeah, there's... (laughs) I was like, the lighting. We have lights, we have bulbs, yes. And you will be able to speak. (laughs) They're like, yeah, like you can can say words in a room that is lit. (laughs) They're there to hear poetry and they got me (laughs) screaming at them about Peter Rabbit. And and, cho- and and dipping men in chocolate and throwing them to hordes of um, lesbians and all this kind of stuff. It was um, they just weren't anticipated. It's maybe <laughs> one of the most ill-judged bookings <laughs> of <laughs> of history. But I think that's at another event if they'd understood what it was about communicated that properly, it probably would have been booked in like a like a small studio theatre. It would have been like it would have probably worked in the program. But like this venue and the way it had been marketed was um, it <laughs> drew the wrong crowd. <laughs> well, in terms of opportunities that came out of things. Uh, which is where we went with this. I'm not going to just talk about gigs that have gone badly for me in my life. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's kind of unquantifiable. Like, it, it, like you can get like attention from things, and people can kind of like. I mm. guess I don't know, like, because because I, I just I've never had a pro, like a producer or like an agent or anything. I suppose it's probably helped having like decent reviews or like it's been X Y Z. And then, like, things like that. Like, if you put that on, like, an application to go and do, like, a thing at a theatre, they'll probably, like, yeah. might give it a bit more of a look over. Because, like, you've got, like, a little bit of, like, weight behind you. But then, and if you could say that, like, you've been to all these festivals, but they don't know how terrible <laughs> yeah. some of them have got. You were there. <laughs> so so it's, it's all bullshit, because if someone was actually there watching it, they'd never put me <laughs> for anything again in my life. 
<laughs> right. I want to talk um, surrealism. I want to talk accents. I want to talk regrets. And then I'm going to let you go because we, we, we're coming up to the hour mark. Um, so nice. my, my favorite thing that you've ever done and every single time, every single time, no matter how many times I watch it, it gets me in stitches is bus driver. Um, oh, every funny. time you could start it now and I would be on the floor. Like I, <laughs> I don't know what it is about it. I think it's that it's the mix of the surrealism of the end of it, but it's the slow plateau up to it. And everybody can see, you can see the punchlines mm-hmm. coming. They're not disguised in any way, but it, it just, it keeps punching. It keeps hitting. So mm-hmm. how did that start, that gag in particular? And does it reflect about the process at all? I say it does reflect in the sense that there's very little process to what I write for the most part. <laughs> so like I, I have an idea. Most things I write will be an idea and then I'll instantly write it. Or I'll write it down and at one point, I don't know, I'll be cooking or having a shit or something. And I go, oh, God, that thing. And then I go, oh, I've had an idea now. So literally that, I was on a bus in Edinburgh after a show. A show had gone terribly in Edinburgh, by the way. I was in Edinburgh, dude, don't bother. And I was on the bus back to my flat and I I was renting for £5 million for the month. And... I, I just because everyone in Edinburgh is really polite. All the Scottish people, all, all Scottish people are very polite as as a fact. But everyone was get, everyone was saying thanks to getting off the bus. And I was just watching it, and I was like, oh, it's nice. And I was like, must get bored of it. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, that's something. So I just started writing down different ways to say thank you in a row, and kind of making them weirder and more like aggressive as it went on. And then at the end, I was like, how do I end this now? And I just wrote the punchline to that, which is, uh, but never I love you. Um, <laughs> because I was like, that's, that's funny. So that is the entirety of that process was I was just watching people go off, get off, well, not watch people get off on a bus, people get off a bus. <laughs> that's actually people get off a bus. And then I just thought there was something in it. And then the punchline just came like, out of nothing I was like so what's the funniest thing about like if a bus driver was hearing us all the time is that like it wasn't enough and you just wanted them to you wanted them to not only be grateful for it to but get off yeah, to get off with him on a bus <laughs> yeah. yeah he wanted to he wanted to be like loved in, in a way it was what he was lacking I thought that was I thought that was quite nice but that's another one which was never written to be performed I was just writing it because I thought it was funny at the time so that's why it's like that was the first draft essentially that was just like what is in notes on the phone is what was read um but yeah that that that's that's that same thing i guess which is that like just writing something freely then hoping something comes of it and then when something when there is a punchline it's almost a happy accident but then the, that's the most fun stuff i think <laughs> i'm glad you like it <laughs> i really do yeah i particularly enjoyed that uh that part of talk turtle as well um I've got a list in front of me right now, uh, according to Mandy.com, that you can oh, do, do a lot of accents. Um, oh, I'm not going to ask you to do something if you don't want to, but I'm just interested <laughs> to see how, to know how that kind of came about. Uh, so, to run through it, because I want you to do them. Right. American, English, Cockney, English, England, North East, Tyneside, Geordie, Northwest, Liverpool, Manchester, Lancashire, Cheshire, Essex, General. London, Northern, received pronunciation, Irish, I'm particularly interested in this next one, Irish Eastern, yeah. Irish Southern, 
Let's let's not get it twisted. New York, Northern <laughs> Irish, Northern Irish, Scottish, Edinburgh, Scottish, uh, Southern American, mm. Spanish, Accento Nyoroto, and Welsh. What's that? What's that? What's that penultimate one? Accento neutral, neutral accent. Neutral, neutral accent. What in like a? It says Accento neutral. That's what it says on Mandy.com. It's like a Super Mario kind of power <laughs> up, is it? The Accento Neutro. Uh, yeah, so I made this when I was 21, fresh out of university. I wanted to be an actor. So just laugh. I was hoping that was it. I knew it was going to be that. <laughs> That's it. So it was like, well, actors, can you do? I was like, all of these, I could probably I could probably give it a go. Um, you do a few in turtle, though, can, right? I can do a lot of them, to be fair. I could do like, I could do like a... Dude, Mank, my dad's Mank, he's from Salford. Fuck you, do a bit of Salford, mate. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> That's what my dude, I've got to tell him what my dad says to me. Which is go fuck yourself. <laughs> I could do, I could, I could do, I could do North East. I could do North East of England if you're from Hartley. You're fucking Poland, from there. Doesn't count. Yeah, that one doesn't count. I could do, I could do, I could do a few Irish accents. I could do County Clare. So my, my nana's from County Clare. So she talks like this. She goes, she's from Corrifin in County Clare. So she's on the West Coast. So don't worry about that. You want to go through the caves, go through the bridges, go to the Aran Islands. That's why you go there on the West Coast. <laughs> That's where the good lads are. There's quite a sing-song trill to the County Clare accent. So it's not Clare. It's Clare. <laughs> so that's Clare. Can you, do, can you do County Kildare? I lived there for two years. That's so specific. Whereabouts is Kildare? <laughs> Kildare. It's just outside of Dublin, really. So it's, it's south. So... Dublin's more like this, isn't it? So that's wrong. More, is that more like a Kildare accent? Is it right yeah, down yeah, the, yeah, yeah. on the East Coast? <laughs> down yeah, the that's it. Do you know? Have you ever seen Dirty Mike? And there's a video on YouTube with this guy called Mike. That's almost like a David O'Doherty impression. Live. <laughs> not bad. But that's like, Great. that's on the East Coast. Um, that's your... Uh, and then... If I do a Belfast accent, I start going into my Andy Kids. So my Andy Kids from Argentina was Belfast, but she's got a very genteel, very softly spoken voice. So I sound like a very, very camp man from Belfast. <laughs> Whenever I do my Belfast accent, it just goes straight into that. For some reason, he's got a little bit of a list. <laughs> it doesn't really work for me, but uh, it's it's that's what we're working with for Belfast. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, brilliant. And uh, if you can just give us a little bit of your Spanish, you know, to uh, honor my Portuguese roots, that'd be fantastic. So I, I, my, my dad was a monk in Spain when I when he was a teenager. He was a monk in Rioja. Um, so my dad was like, as in the show, like kind of like a bit of a terror from Salford. And then when he was seventeen, he went to be a monk in Rioja. <laughs> To repent. So do you know what happened? He, he tells this story. He went to see United on the Saturday and battered loads of <laughs> and battered loads of City fans and got drunk. And then had to get went to church because his mum made him. And then when he was in church, he saw saw an advert for a missionary like initiative saying, Do you wanna do you wanna live a life of adventure? And on the 
leaflet, there was a guy in a kayak and he went, yeah, fuck it, I'll go kayaking, I don't give a fuck. And he was like, <laughs> <laughs> and then he said she tricked him. He just going to Portsmouth to train as a bunker free. Shipped him off to Spain, didn't speak a word of Spanish. He didn't even know, he didn't know what garlic was. Um, <laughs> but that's true. Spanish, so I, I played Gomez Adams when I was at university and that's, that's so I could do some Spanish. What do you want me to say in Spanish? Um, I'll ask you a question. Yeah, go on. We could, we could just, yeah, just, ask yeah, question. ask me a question. Um, have you right. enjoyed, how have you enjoyed your time on the Redraft? But let's go again. How have you enjoyed your time on the Redraft podcast? Romina, I have enjoyed my time on the Redraft podcast. It has been <laughs> incredible. <laughs> Will Stevens, you are incredible. The boys extraordinary. With a download jumper, I love it. <laughs> sí. No para nada, eh. Ah, Pero bueno. estamos, estamos, estamos mejor aquí, eh. It's not just a Spanish accent, you're speaking Spanish as well, no, you know. Puedo, puedo hablar un poquito de español, pero oh, no pasa nada, yeah. eh? no es mucho. But my favorite thing about Spanish people is, which knowing you're at a restaurant in Spain and there's a Spanish waiter, if you ask him questions to which he thinks the ob uh, the answer is obvious, he gets more incredulous as it goes on. So you say, <laughs> is there water? He goes, I agua. He goes, sí. And he goes, uh, have you got a bit more bread? He goes, sí. And he goes, can I have butter with it? He goes, sí, claro, sí. Venga, porque no, eh. Es mi restaurante, es el mejor. Venga, eh. Mantequilla, pan, agua. Venga, los tres. <laughs> That's what I like about Brilliant. the Spanish actors, the Spanish writer. Maybe that'll get me jobs on Mandy. I'm disappointed by how well you managed to do that. <laughs> I thought I got you. Stitch me up, mate. I, I maybe I'm mainly a poet these days, but boy, if you need me to be an exaggerated Spanish waiter or a, or a quite a camp, they're doing it. They're doing a faulty towers reboot. You can get Yeah, I could be all of them. I'll, I'll do. I'll do like a kind of an Eddie Murphy and uh, Doctor Doolittle thing, and I'll just do all the parts. We go. Oh. I had a really good lead up. I was going to say, so apart from the list, what's your biggest regret? That's not a regret, is it? That's a good list. No, it's a good list. I do all no, it's I a good list. I can do all Don't fucking presume that my list is a regret. It is, to be fair, because I, I forgot I'd written it until just now. But I listened to it. I was like, I probably can do most of them. To be fair, when I read this list, I thought it had to be bu bullshit, only because not many people know how many different... Irish accents there are, you know, if you, if you think Irish, you think of the Dublin accent and that's it. But I didn't realise that you're obviously one of your parents Irish. Or? My name is Bracorn Carlin. <laughs> right, yeah, 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 yeah. That says everything. <laughs> so, that is, yeah. that, so do you know what the Thai accent there to throw you off the scent as to how aggressive the Irish were? This is a big day for me. The fact that you've had an hour of my time and St. Patrick's Day is, um, is genuinely like you should feel privileged. <laughs> We, do, we no, absolutely um, no, do. Um, this is uh, this has been so much fun. Before we let you go and celebrate, let's just bring the mood. <laughs> yeah, I mean, we need to ask the all important question here on the Redraft Podcast, which is: if you could go back and redraft anything in your life slash career, what would you choose? So. Um, I make awful decisions almost exclusively. Um, I do. I, I, I'm constantly uh, making terrible decisions and uh, to the detriment of me and all around me. But um, I, so there's too many to choose from. So I would like to redraft something that was written about me on behalf of the author. 
<laughs> because they made an error which I think they hate because I could find it I've just found it now on Google as we're having this conversation um, it's a review that they gave me three stars in 2019 bastards first of all <laughs> <laughs> they, didn't, they don't know, they don't know gold, but it, it was bad. To be fair, it was in a shipping container in front of fourteen people in Brighton. Uh, bad day, <laughs> bad, bad day for advertising, Carlo. Um, but in the review, they say, "Do you want to hear the line that they say?" And you tell me whether this is worth redrafting or not. Whether they might regret having written this. They said, um, "Oh God, where is it?" His observations about fame selling more than talent in terms of J.K. Rowling's legacy and trying to sell as Robert Galbraith were also accurate. Although I will not stand to hear a word against the wonderful woman that invented and wrote Harry Potter. Uh, Ouch. Definitely redraftable. That was their main (laughs) criticism of me. Genuinely, it's a three that reads like a four. It's the Taylor's all the time. (laughs) (laughs) I swear to God, the main criticism of me is that I wasn't so kind about J.K. Rowling. And I don't think that's something that need. Maybe I need to redraft that show so that instead of it being five minutes of the show, it should be 45 minutes of me talking about how much of a bastard J.K. Rowling is. And then we'll invite back... I'm not going to dox her. I'm not going to say anything. We can, we can invite this reviewer back this to review change. that show and we'll ask her what she thinks of J.K. Rowling in the year of our Lord 2023. So maybe we want to redraft that. Class, class, yes. <laughs> I think that about wraps us up, man. Um, it's been a bit chaotic. Said, Thank you for why have me. you structured the podcast like a stand-up show? Have I actually? Just the drop at the end. It was perfect. It's good, yeah, that, isn't excellent. it? Excellent. I did. You know what? Because you said what would something you redraft, and I literally thought to myself, that fucking Voice magazine review for twenty nineteen needs redrafting. The first thing I thought of was like a joke, and I was like, you know what? We'll do it. <laughs> So I was, oh, Beautiful. Um, Thanks, man. Um, that's is there right. anything Thanks you've got to plug? Uh, I do a sketch show now called Rompers. That's good fun. Um, oh fuck! Uh, we didn't talk about Rompers. We we'll have to. Do, I haven't. We haven't seen it. So we'll do it. We get round to. Yeah, we're doing Manchester another point. Um, so it's like so that's the reason I'm not writing a lot of poetry at the moment because I'm focused on this. It's me and my best pal called Tristan. We met in the review. And we do, we started doing it in 2019. We did it like two performances together and then the world kicked our ass and we didn't do it again until last year. So we performed together for the first time in three years last year and then we've been doing it since. We recently reached the semi-finals of the Leicester Square Theatre sketch-off. So that was good. We've done it in Manchester and that sold out. We did it in London. Uh, that almost sold out. Don't worry about it. Um, <laughs> but it was like... <laughs> It's good, yeah. So, it's, it's, so we're doing it in Sheffield on the twenty fifth of March. I don't think this will be going out before then, but um, and we're doing it in London on the sixteenth of April. Maybe it'll be out by then. Uh, but keep you keep your ear to the ground for rumpers. It's going to be good fun. Um, it's bullshit. It's loads of fun. It's very very silly. Um, we walked out in Manchester. Someone came up to me and went, "That was really stupid, wasn't it?" Like, yeah, it's great, isn't Amazing. it? Amazing. <laughs> right. Amazing. Brogan, Tyser, Carlin, thank you for redrafting. I made that up. That was a new thing. You like that? Yeah, I love that. that. We're going to be using that now. 
How lovely was Brogan to chat to you? Brogan was absolutely lovely. He was so nice. Really nice guy. An absolute gent. And if you haven't seen it yet, please make sure that you do go and check out Turtle um, on YouTube. Um, you yes. need to follow him on all socials as well. He is an absolute diamond, um, especially on Instagram, which is at Brogan Tyzak. Um, without all them funky uh, first and middle names that we talked about at the start. So <laughs> nice and easy, Brogan Tyzak. And um, if there are still tickets available for the shows of Rumpers upcoming, uh, you can find all that information on his socials as well. I really recommend getting a view in of that. He's a force of nature live. Um, yes. What a, what a successful first episode. I'm, I'm really just absolutely thrilled and delighted that A, that we've done it, that we've recorded it, that it exists and posterity and that people can listen to it if you've enjoyed listening to brogan today please give us a review on the podcast platform of your choice um if it's apple music if it's uh, spotify wherever it might be you can find us on all streaming platforms but please drop us a five stars we deserve a five stars don't we Ramina? we definitely do and uh, please share it with your friends as well mm makes such a massive difference if you have someone in your life that will be receptive to any type of creative writers so we've got filmmakers coming up we've got musicians we've got poets non-fiction writers journalists all sorts anybody that you know that wants to discuss the creative process and perhaps doesn't have someone to talk about it with in real life this is the podcast for them we are here for them we absolutely are and if you've enjoyed what you've listened to so far you can support us um over on patreon Yes, for £3 a month, you can join our Big Biro tier. Uh, in that, you get a shout-out in the episode after you join, so you get a big hello from us. You get access to all of our, all of our planning documents, um, and you also get to join an exclusive Instagram group with other writers to share notes, t- tips, feedback, and more. After that comes the fountain pen tier. If you feel like dropping us £5 a month, we'd massively appreciate it. It exudes luxury, grace, and style, just like you, lovely lot. If you decide to help us out, you will receive all the previous benefits. Ramina's just let you know. Access to any uh, pre-sales for live events and the opportunity to email in your questions to all of our upcoming guests. So we'll let you know in advance um, who it is, what to watch, and uh, you can ask them a question. And our last tier. Our last tier is the typewriter tier for £8 a month. Um, and that includes, again, all the previous benefits that Will just mentioned. On top of that, also get a free art print from Print a Poet. You'll get to commission your own poem to us once a year. And you'll also get feedback on one single piece of writing from both of us. So that's... And that's once per month. So we're going to be busy, busy people if you uh, if you feel like rolling that in. Um, I feel like it's really important to point out that both myself and Romina are we have full-time jobs as well as this we are aiming to make that creativity um our main source of income but that's, as pretty much anyone listening to this I imagine will be aware a really difficult thing to make happen um we're really excited about the podcast and we've got some amazing guests lined up some brilliant opportunities for you guys to get involved um so if you are able to contribute anything um we massively massively appreciate it and we'll make sure that you have a great experience as part of that. Yeah, absolutely. We um, we are putting our everything into this and we we just want to create opportunities for others and for ourselves as well. So if you can be part of our journey and helping us make that, then, you know, we'll be eternally grateful. But again, if you can't, then we're still here for you to listen for f- absolutely free. As long as you drop us a five-star review on Amazon. 
<laughs> yes. Amazing. Ramina, thank you. It's been an absolute pleasure. I can't wait for next week. Me too. That's it from us, guys. Until then, take care and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. The Redraft Podcast asks these people, we are asking people the one thing that they would have altered or changed about their writing career to date. So if you want to get the inside scoop, please stay with us, hit that subscribe button and watch this space. Bye.